0: when I was about eight or nine, we were at school one day, she came and got us kids out of school, got out to a car with a guy I'd never seen before, and we left town and left my dad behind. So I don't have a lot of memories from early on, later on after when I came back from overseas, I had more of a time with him. But uh, the guy that we lived with, my mother left with, was abusive, so when I was 11 years old, I had an opportunity to leave home. Uh, Farmer had put an ad in the paper for a young man or kid to come live with him, help with the work. We answered the ad and that's where I went to live for the next three years. We'd be cutting wood and we'd load up the truck and take it into town about five or six miles away. And we wound up taking it to the family of one of the kids that had been with him before me. I was the eighth kid that he had taken in and raised up through high school, if they'd stayed that long. The one before me got in trouble, wound up in prison. His family lived about six miles away. Every time he would butcher, they would get a side of ham or, or a side of beef, whatever. He took care of that family for the, all the time that uh, Chris was in prison, that was the guy's name. So he provided firewood and food for that family for the whole time that Chris was in prison. And that's where I learned about loyalty and faith and service. Uh, after a few years, his wife passed away, and I had to go back home. Uh, at that time, we left Missouri, which is where we were at the point, came back up north, and I uh, got to know my dad a little bit better than my real dad. And uh, it was sometime later that I found out that he had been a... he was actually just a private in World War II, but... Uh, He shared his stories with me after I came back from Vietnam. We never talked about it before, but it seemed we had a connection after. And uh, one of the stories he told me about was, he was with a three-man patrol, and uh, they were on this patrol. Two of the men were wounded by a machine gun. And my father was able to get down and get the two to shelter, and then, He would take, and he couldn't see the guys that were shooting, but he knew where the gun was. He could see the gun. So he'd take, every time he saw a hand reaching for that gun, he would fire at the gun. And he kept them pinned down for a bit. And after a few minutes, some period of time, they finally gave up, and we got up there. He told me he was so glad they had not hit either of them because it was a young teenage boy and his grandfather who had been chained to that gun by the retreating German army. So I guess over time, between George the farmer and my dad, I had a lot to look forward to, a lot to look up to, a lot of shoes to fill. Didn't live with my father at all after the age of eight. So the connections there were, uh, I won't say strained, they were good. But didn't have a lot of opportunity to learn from them. Most of, again, most of what I learned about faith and the strength of, of uh, courage comes from faith. I learned from the farmer, so it just goes to show you—you you don't never know where it's going to come from.
1: Mm. Yeah. Well, we've been in a series over the last couple of weeks called Legacies, and it's living a life beyond your own. And man, uh, Paul, I want to thank you uh, for sharing your testimony. And if you're hearing that story... It took more than just one person. It took people who are willing to invest, to willing to pass something down um, beyond that, and that's what this whole series has been about: on what are we leaving behind? What, what's going to go on with us? And so we're going to continue that journey today. Um, if you have your Bibles or your iPhone or whatever it is, we're going to look up stuff. Second Kings chapter two is where we're going to look today. But when I think of legacies, when I think of the people who've invested in us, um, for me, there's a, it's not just one person. I don't know about you, about the people who've Invested in your life, who have passed something down. I, I can't just pin down one person to be a part of that. I mean, it probably starts with my parents, right? My dad, probably one of the most influential people in my life. Um, he was my pastor, my senior pastor. He was my youth pastor because we were at small churches where the senior pastor had to do both. Um, now he's one of my best friends today. I think of my mom who invested in me, and and, and I just remember a lot of my personality. If you want to know where I get my jovial fun, it's from my mom. Uh, She is one of those people when she is infectious laughter and just one of those people that truly brings joy. And so a lot of that has been passed down to me. But there's countless people from my church families over the years that we've been a part of who've invested in me, who've kind of gone and been intentionally saying, hey, Dan, I want to be a part of your life. I remember my first youth pastor that was not my dad. It wasn't until my junior year of high school. His name was Mark Slayball, And uh, Mark said, hey, Dan, I'd love to be intentional in your life. And so I remember him saying, would you be willing to wake up before school, which was like 6.30 in the morning, for for a high school student, that's really early, you know, back that, that those days. And so some of you are like, man, yeah, that's, I'm up by five every day. Good for you. I was not. Um, and, uh, and so, but Mark said, hey, I want to get up and I'd love to invest in you. And so I remember things he taught me, he loved Back to the Future. So I learned from him um, the love for Back to the Future. Uh, he loved uh, the word pummel. Um, and I don't know why. It's just, he it usually followed with Dan, I'm going to pummel you. Um, and so that's usually how it was used. But he used the word all the time. Breakfast burritos. Breakfast uh, burritos. He would make every time we got together, and they were really good. But probably the most things is he said, "I want to invest in you about the Lord." And I, so I remember us doing a Bible study my junior and senior year of high school um, once a week, where we'd get together, and that investment that was just intentional. Legacies, right? And I, and I think for a lot of us, we could probably name those people. And and so often we think of just the one person, but I think it takes more. Of the term it takes a village comes to mind, right? And and these days, I think it's probably more of like an entire state if we're going to get people through and those intentionalities of what's going on. And so, but when I think about that in the Bible and I think about relationships that were intentional, that had legacies built, outside of Jesus, probably the biggest one that comes to mind for me is Elijah and Elisha. Elijah and Elisha. And so here's the first thing I want you to know. These are two prophets back in the Old Testament. Um, and, And the first thing when I think about Elijah and Elisha is like, God... Why did you name them so close to names, right? Like Elijah, Elisha, and, and I, I get a mix of all the time. I mean, why couldn't he pick names like Bob and Larry? We all remember Bob and Larry, right? Those are easy names to remember, but no, God, he wants to pick Elijah and Elisha, and they lived right next to each other. There was an investment in there, but these two guys, Elijah was the older one, Elisha was the younger one, but there was an intentional investment that they had um, that I want you to see because I feel we can learn a lot about what they have to teach us. And, um, and it comes at the end, we're gonna look at 2 Kings chapter 2. Elijah is about to go into heaven. He knows it, everybody knows it. And there's this last minute interaction, this last time that Elijah is talking with Elisha that I think we can learn a lot from here. Let's read this real quick 2 Kings chapter 2, verses 1 through 14. When the Lord was about to take Elijah up into heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. Elijah said to Elisha, stay here, the Lord has sent me to Bethel. But Elisha said, as surely as the Lord lives and you live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. The company of prophets at Bethel came out to Elisha and asked, do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Yes, I know, Elisha replied, so be quiet. And he replied, As surely as the Lord lives, and as you live, I will not leave you. So the two of them walked on. Fifty men from the company of the prophets went and stood at a distance, facing the place where Elijah and Elisha stopped at the Jordan. Elijah took his cloak, rolled it up, struck the water with it. The water divided to the right and to the left, and the two of them crossed over on dry ground. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, Tell me, what can I do for you before I am taken from you? Let me inherit a double portion of your spirit," Elisha replied. "You have asked a difficult thing," Elijah said. "Yet if you see me when I am taken from you, it will be yours. Otherwise it will be not. It will not." As they were walking along and talking together, suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. Elisha saw this and cried out, "My father, my father!" the chariots and horsemen of Israel, and Elisha saw him no more. Then he took hold of his garment and tore it in two. Elisha then picked up Elijah's cloak that had fallen from him and went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. He took the cloak that had fallen from Elijah and struck the water with it. Where now now is the Lord, the God of Elijah, he asked. When he struck the water, it divided to the right and to the left, and he crossed over. So here's a few things I want you to see about this passage. First of all, this is the last day of Elijah's life, and not only did Elijah know it, but so did everybody else, right? Every time they came into an interaction, someone said, hey, Elisha, did you know? He goes, I got it, okay, right? So everybody knew what was going on. Elijah, though, doesn't seem worried about it. That's interesting to me, right? If you knew you were going to be going up into heaven, I think in today's day, we're kind of going, oh, oh. What's happening? Elijah doesn't seem to worry about it at all. But both Elijah and Elisha were very, very, very intentional about their interaction at the end of this life. Elijah was going, okay, I'm going to go where God sent me. And Elisha's like, I'm not leaving your side. And there's this interaction, I feel that for all of us, that we can learn from both of these two guys. And probably the biggest question, the biggest thing that I want to that I take away is, is two questions. And these two questions, I think for us are the keys to being intentional, to living a legacy that goes beyond ourselves. The first question is: is who is your Elijah? Who's the one person above you that you are having invest in you? Who's your Elijah? And the second is, is who's your Elisha? the one person below you that's not right there yet, the one down that that you are investing in. I think if we're going to live a legacy life, a life that goes beyond us, we have to have both an Elijah and an Elisha. But when we have these relationships, we have to be super intentional about how we interact them to actually learn from both sides of this. Who's your Elijah? Who's your Elisha? And if you don't have those people today, as I ask those questions, like, oh, I don't know, pastor, that's okay. But I want that to be resonating with you and thinking through that as we're going to talk this morning about the importance of that. So when I say, who's your Elisha, what do I mean with that? The Elishas in our life are the people who probably aren't on the same faith journey. They're not as far along their journey as we are. For some of us, that, that could be further down a, a big distance, but for some, it could just be one step ahead, that we're ahead of them, that they're, they're, they're there, but they need someone to come along and say, hey, I want to invest in you and in your faith journey. It's an intentional relationship. And when we're in, intentionally investing in the Elishas, there's a few things that I want us to notice that we have to be ready for, all right? The first one is, is that we have to give from the overflow. We have to give from the overflow. Notice, notice for Elijah, each time it said, the Lord has sent me. You can't have the Lord send you somewhere unless you're talking to the Lord, did you know that? If there is not a communication, you're not gonna know where to go. And so Elijah was in constant communication with God. He was always talking with God and God says, hey, I want you to go here, he goes, okay. If we are going to invest in our Elishas, we have to be in a constant communication from God with God and we have to give from the overflow. Pull your toes back here for a second because I might step on them. That doesn't just mean on Wednesdays and Sundays. That doesn't mean just Wednesdays and Sundays. So often... We get into the habit of checking off our time with God like a checkoff list. I've done it today. I went to church today. Yes, I'm a good Christian. And don't get me wrong, Sundays and Wednesdays are important because we are with the body of Christ. But that will not give you an overflow to pour into other people. God is calling you to find Elisha's and to give from the overflow to give on a daily basis to have yourself poured into so that your cup as it fills up as you as God is pouring into you that cup is overflowing into other people How's your cup this morning Man, I can tell you there are seasons that mine feels dry Have you been there? Have you felt it? And my question would be is is what are you doing to fill it back up? How are you allowing God to pour into you on a regular basis so that when you come to the Elishas in your life, the people who need it, you can give because if you're pouring from a dry cup, I'm gonna tell you, you're not giving a lot. And God has called us to give from the overflow when we're pouring into the Elishas. Don't pour into others more than you are filling up on your own. Because you're going to run out quick. It's going to burn you out. The second thing I see here from Elijah as he's pouring into Elisha is that he was slow to speak and quick to listen. In verse 9 it says tell me what can i do for you before i'm taken from you and i find this interesting because i don't know about you if i get to the end of my life and there's people around and i know that the end of my life is coming i'm not going to sit there and listen to other people i've done a lot of listening in my life i'm ready to tell you things right seriously that that's what i'd be doing i'm mean, at the end of my life I, I have lived a full life i have some things to impart on all of you it's going to be good And I don't know if you know this, I like to talk, so I'm really good at it. Right? But Elijah, no, he gets the end of his life. He knows he's he's going to heaven. Everybody else knows he's going to heaven. He's not up there giving great mountain sermons or anything like that. He says this. He looks at Elisha, and instead of going, Elisha, get your journal out, get a pen, get your computer, get ready to type, because i got some things you need to know. No, he says, tell me, what can I do for you? What can I do for you before I'm gone? What do you need? He listened, right? Church, we need to be a church that listens. Not to tell people what we think they need to know, but to hear what are they need. Now sometimes, sometimes we do know better sometimes God has called us to pour into them certain wisdoms but unless God is telling you to do that can I challenge you to listen now this is tough for, for me and probably my gender in general men out there I don't know how about you but I am a fixer how many of you are fixers out there you like to fix things I know I'm a fixer and some of you who didn't raise your hand you just don't want to admit it because you know where I'm going I'm a fixer. I like to solve problems. The best way I solve problems is by telling you how to do it. (laughs) And when you listen to me, it will be solved. And My wife would tell you I do this all the time and she would tell you that she's really good at ignoring me too. (laughs) Sometimes we are not called, listen to this, sometimes we are not called to fix things. Sometimes we are called to listen. And I had really good advice in the last couple weeks. I said, sometimes I just need to shut up. In Jesus' name, God bless my heart, right? I wonder, I wonder who God's calling to shut up this morning. Or nicely said, I wonder who God's saying, hey, it's time to be quiet a little bit. Elijah is about to end his, at the end of his life, and he could have said a lot of things. But he says, what do you need? How are you best going to survive? What can I pour into you for the next part of what's going on? You listen first, speak second, and if you're confused on what to do, listen some more. The third thing, be intentional and lead by example. Be intentional, lead by example. It says, as they were walking along and talking together, suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of uh, fire appeared and separated the two of them, and Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. He, he was just walking along. He wasn't going, okay, when this going to happen? He, he was just doing his thing. And I'll tell you what, the key to intentionality when you're pouring into someone else is to be present. Be present. Just be there. And I'm gonna tell you what, you are going to speak far more with the actions that you have than the words you're going to say. Are you seeing a theme here when it comes to being Elijah's? When you're speaking into your Elisha, is a lot of times it's not talking at all. It's walking the walk. It's living the life, but it's with intentionality. So that's who is your Elisha? Have you thought through that? Who is the person you're pouring into today? But there's a second part of this whole thing that's who's your Elijah? And it's the same thing. So no matter what age you're at, whether you're 10 years old or you're 100 years old, I believe we need people in our life who are pouring into us. We need people who are further along in their faith journey. Faith journey is not an age. It's where we're at with the Lord. And we need to have people who are pouring us. And if we're going to have people pouring us, there are some things that we need to do when we're looking for our Elijahs. The first thing that we need to do when we're looking for our Elijahs is we have to hear their story and learn from their experiences. There's a reason we keep showing testimonies on Sunday morning to hear stories, to learn from other people. Every time Elijah said, hey, God's going to send me somewhere, hey, Elisha, you stay here. Did you see what he said? He goes, no, no, no. As surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I'm not going to leave you. I want to see this. Verses 1, verses 2, verses 4, verses 6, every single time. No, I'm not going anywhere. I have to learn from what you're doing. Did you catch that? And then we get to the end of his life, and Elijah's like, okay, here's what we do. Where's the Lord sending him? He's sending him on a walk, a journey, and Elisha's like, hey, I want to go to these places, and I don't, the Bible doesn't put anything in here coincidentally. There's four locations that are mentioned in here that they went and looked at. Gilgal, Bethel, Jericho, and the Jordan River. And if you go back in in, in the Old Testament and you look at these locations, each location had a very significant reason why it's there. Gilgal is where the Israelites camped after they crossed the Jordan River going into the Promised Land. A very intentional part of a promise that was fulfilled. It, It represented security and safety. Elisha got to go with Elijah there. He then went on to Bethel, which is where Abraham first built his altar. He built that altar and Abraham often returned there to encounter God. It was a place of prayer and worship. It was a place that that meant, hey, this is where we're gonna meet together. They then journeyed on to Jericho. Now Jericho would have been to the Israel nation what D-Day was to the Allied forces in World War II. It was a place that signified battle. But we face a lot of battles in life. And I'm wondering if as Elijah went there, said, hey, this is an important place to understand that God will call us to battle at some point in time. He will rally the troops and are you ready? And then they finished up at the Jordan River. And I think the, Jordan, the crossing of the Jordan River as the Hebrew people came out of Egypt, the water dividing was a fulfillment of a promise. So here's the thing, Elisha got to go on that journey. He got to learn and see and experience. He didn't just sit there and go, okay, go do your thing and when you get back, tell me. He says, show me, show me, let me walk with you. When we have an Elijah in our life, we can't just wait. We have to learn from their experiences. Pastor Phil used a quote a couple weeks ago, and and I try not to quote him too often because he gets a big head and he'll remind me of it later on. (laughs) Um, But he said something a couple weeks ago that I really liked. He said, don't learn the hard way what others have learned the hard way. When you have an Elijah in your life that's pouring into you, Learn what you can so you don't make those mistakes. Learn what you can so you can see what is successful. Don't learn the hard way what others have learned the hard way. Learn from their experiences. The second thing when you have an Elijah that you need to do is you need to want more from the Lord than even those before them. You wanna want more, and that sounds a little arrogant. Wait, what, you want, I should have more than what they have? Yeah. Here's what Elijah, Elijah, remember, he says, hey, what can I do for you? And here's Elisha's response. Let me inherit a double portion of your spirit, Elisha replied. Now, this wasn't to one-up Elijah. The spirit he's talking about isn't Elijah's spirit specifically, it's the spirit that lives inside of Elijah. What spirit was that? God's spirit, right? Right? And he's saying, hey, Elijah, I don't want just what you have from the Lord. I want twice as much of whatever the Lord's pouring into you. I want twice as much as that. How often are we seeking a double portion of what God's giving to other people? And you're like, I do it all the time. So let me rephrase. How often are you seeking God's double portion with his motives, not yours? Man, what could we do with that? Do you know Elisha goes on, if you look at all the recorded miracles, Elisha ends up doing twice as many recorded miracles as Elijah. Think about that. Jesus tells his disciples, when Jesus is talking to his disciples in John 14, 12, he says, very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. Jesus tells his disciples, hey, you've seen me work. You've seen what I've done. He says, guess what? You're gonna do greater things than I. Greater thing. what does that mean? It means that Jesus' mission came to talk to Judea, Jerusalem, these disciples, but his mission for the rest of the people was to go seek the world. He says, you're going to need more than that. Elisha says, I'm going to need more. If I'm going to reach the people of Israel and this nation for God, I need twice as much as what you have, Elijah. Church, what would it look like? What would it look like at Colonial Woods or in our world if every single one of us sought a double portion of the Lord's spirit? I like that yawn. It's like, wow, right? what would that look like how many changed lives would we see if every single one of us were seeking out a double portion of god's spirit I mean, i gotta tell you our church would be radically transformed and i'm not talking about numbers i'm talking about kingdom impact you saw five baptisms right? Maybe we'll see 10, 15. And it's not about the number, it's about a changed life. What happens when we seek a double portion of God's spirit? Man, that would be cool. The third thing when you're looking at Elijah, what we're trying to look for is at some point, at some point, we need to pick up the cloak and live it out. We can't just keep hearing what's going on. Look we'll at this, Elisha, in verse 13 and 14, it says that Elisha then picked up Elijah's cloak that had fallen from him and went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. He took the cloak that had fallen from Elijah and struck the water with it. That's important because remember what happened in verse 8? How did they get across the Jordan? It says, Elijah took his cloak He rolled it up and struck the water with it and the water divided to the right and to the left and the two of them crossed over the ground. So Elijah did that and when his cloak went down, Elisha said, hey, guess what? It's my turn. It's my turn. And church, let me tell you something. It's your turn. It is your turn to find the Elishas to have the Elijahs, so that we can see transformed and changed lives in our world, not just at Colonial Woods. Who's your Elisha? Who's your Elijah? You're one up and you're one down. It's kind of like this, if we're on a staircase, right? Camera people, I'm sorry, I'm going to come down here a little bit. If this is our staircase right here, and this staircase represents your faith journey, right? From the time you're born, you start at the bottom, to the time you go to heaven, that's your staircase and it's your faith journey. Every step you take down or up or where you're going, you're pointing towards God. But every time you're doing that, everybody else in the world is also on this staircase. And you have some people who are below you, some people maybe on the same step as you, and some people who are above you. Church, on that faith journey, you are called to look down and go, who's my one down? Who's the one staircase down that we need to go and maybe put one foot down and say, hey, I want to help you to the next place? And at the same time, we're called to look up and say on this next staircase up, hey, I'm gonna need some help because we're pulling each other, right? And so I'm gonna need someone who's further along. And I'm gonna need to put my hand up here and say, would you help me on my faith journey? As I'm down here helping people up, there's someone up here helping. And we're constantly finding our one down, our one up, our one up, our one down to see changed lives what would that look like now here's the deal sometimes we do get ahead of other people don't we sometimes as we move forward and up someone else might be struggling and they're not there yet so guess what that means we are called sometimes to find different Elijah's and different Elisha's sometimes people get stubborn no one in this room I'm sure And we plant our feet on this stair and say we're not going anywhere for a while. And we need to get down there and say, okay, well, we're gonna grab two hands, right? No, we need to say, hey, how do I help you? How do I listen? Church, we are called to have one up and one down. We are called to have Elisha's and Elijah's in our life. And I believe with all of my heart That when we do that, when we are intentional and when we are investing in our one up and our one down, that we're going to have a double portion of God's Spirit. Who's your Elisha? Who's your Elijah? And as you're sitting there, maybe you're like, I don't have one. That's okay. That's all right. Get one. I say that nicely. Think about it. Pray about it. Who is God calling you to invest in today? I guarantee if you ask him, he will show you a person. I guarantee as you're sitting here, and I've been talking about that, I believe the Holy Spirit has been moving, and a name has already come to your head. Whether it's a one up or one down, I believe the Holy Spirit is moving and he has already brought a name to your head. The question will be, is will you act on it? Will you seek it out? Would you pray with me this morning? Father, we are called, we are called to see changed lives. And this morning, Lord, we we pray that you would, would you, you would bring a name to our mind. Who is our one up? Who is our one down? Who is our Elijah? Who is our Elisha, Lord? Because in this world, we need people. And when we start doing that, it will be a legacy that outlasts us. And Lord, that's our prayer this morning. To have a legacy of changed lives. To inherit a double portion of your spirit to see transformation not just in us, not just at Colonial Woods, but in this world. That's our prayer this morning. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Church, you are dismissed. Have a great morning.